0: Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God and Independent RPG podcasts. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely
1: co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. It is very, very cold up here for the first time in the entirety of winter. It's funny. How cold is it? Uh let's see. In Canadian moon language oh my computer's in Fahrenheit for some reason. It's minus three Fahrenheit. That's too cold. Uh yeah, I don't know what that is.
2: I, I don't get Fahrenheit.
0: Also joining me is Eric Van Allen, who miraculously has power now.
2: That's the thing is like it never got that cold down here in Texas, but our power lines just got destroyed anyway. So I am here. I have power now. I did not have power 24 hours ago. Uh, it It was a time we got through it. That's what matters. Things were done. Sacrifices were made in, in the name of survival. Just don't worry about it.
0: The blood god showed up and miraculously gave you powers. So
1: thank you.
2: Or thank you, Blood God. Where's Poe? Is (laughs) Poe? Is Poe in your
1: tummy right now?
2: Poe Poe lives. Okay, look, Poe lives. Okay, (laughs) this is like like Joel and Ellie, like Poe is my Ellie, all right. I'm gonna take out the (laughs) surgeons for Poe, all right.
0: (laughs) Aw. I'm gonna be very cold soon too, because tomorrow I'm getting on a plane to go to Pennsylvania. Oh, bad timing! It's in the twenties, I think. So, well, it's okay.
1: Warm- You'll be fine. It's going to warm up very quickly. It's already warming up here. It's still,
0: still way colder than here, unfortunately. But it's also yeah. kind of cold and rainy here. In any case, this week we will be talking about a brand new Z Boyd games RPG, which is get this, magical girls plus Shakespeare, and to talk about that. A little bit later, we're going to have Robert Boyd, our old pal,
3: one of yeah. the designers
0: of Cosmic Star Heroin, among others, and Cthulhu Saves the World, will be joining us for an interview about his new game, Z-Boyd Games' new game. We'll get to that in just a minute, but if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review on the podcast of your choice. I'm on Twitter at the underscore capot, Nadia's at Nadia Oxford and Eric. Is at CMOOSI, S-C-A-M-O-O-S-I. M O O S I. We're also on Patreon patreoncom bloodgodpod, where you have tons of premium content, including our lovely stars of destiny who are joining us this week, and they include Amy, Beware the Slimes, Drew R W X, Cal L, Not Hollow, Mangleults, and Spirus. Thank you so much for your generous support. You get access. Not just to our live show where you get to hang out with us, chat with us, but also our special post show, which goes up with each and every episode. And let me tell you, that's usually the area where we get a little crazy, I think. A premium Blood God content every single week. Uh, we also have the Pantheon. And this month we did Yakuza Like a Dragon. Go listen to that episode to see if Ichiban and all of them managed to make it into the RPG Pantheon. We had a great time talking about that episode, didn't we, Eric?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was a really good episode. Uh, It was an interesting debate, I think, ultimately over what gets a game into the Pantheon uh, that will make for fertile fodder when I uh, push some of my games through later on this year. But (laughs) it's, uh, I think it's a really cool game. It's a really interesting take and, and definitely sets uh an interesting precedent for what yakuza will be moving forward so it's cool to honor that and recognize that
0: go and subscribe over at patreon.com slash blood god pod to be able to access that all right it's time to talk now about what we have been playing our sacrifices to the blood god and eric looks like you've been playing a little rhythm game
2: yeah, so obviously without power, uh, my options were limited. I was, when I did have power, mostly going back through Dead Space and playing the new game Plus so I could uh, write stuff about that for my website. But when I was without power and all by my lonesome with just my Nintendo Switch, I decided to crack into that Theat Rhythm Final Bar Line demo that's out. Uh, I believe the full game comes out. Eric is checking this online uh later this month on he's ramping for time (laughs) (laughs) oh god i wrote this news article that i'm reading now but i put the date at the bottom i hate myself february 16th (laughs) uh so but the demo is right out right now on playstation 4 and switch and i'd never played a theater rhythm i never tried it Uh, I figured this was the time. I don't think I've ever enjoyed Final Fantasy as much as I do at this present moment in time. What with Final Fantasy 14 just fueling my overall love for the series. Theat Rhythm is cool dot dot dot. Don't like it. Don't know if I'm going to play the full game. So here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing.
0: All right, time
2: to take like, a shot. I like... Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, I like rhythm <laughs> games. I do like rhythm games a lot, uh, and I think it is a good one of those. I actually even like this a hair more than the Persona Dancing All Night games, which I played a decent amount. Which of. weren't that great? They... IMO. Uh, they, they were good. I, I think their problem was mostly just that they were trying to use a rhythm system that I wasn't wild about, and here, that's kind of the same problem where... I I like what they're going for, but it doesn't feel as tightly designed as something that feels like it was made for the system it was on. Maybe I'm just used to coming from games that are like Guitar Hero Rock Band, where it's not just that you have a rhythm game, but you have a whole like playing environment that is suited to playing the rhythm game correctly. And something about playing a rhythm game on a controller has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Amplitude was like the closest I could get to that. Even that sometimes I would break out the fight stick to play amplitude because that just feels better to me. like using an arcade setup rather than a, a dual shock or whatever. And I wonder if that would maybe change my opinion on theat rhythm because there's something about just a normal controller that's meant to do kind of broadly third person games, I feel, is is what a video game controller is meant to do. Doesn't always feel super natural to play a rhythm game on, especially one where you're kind of doing different button presses at different times and doing holds and moves up and down and doing ones where you like hit a button in a direction at the same time and it needs to have that like clickiness and that that good feedback and uh clickiness. So I wonder I this might be to say that my actual problem is not with the at rhythm, but with the Nintendo Switch's Joy-Cons, which oh, is yeah. probably what the situation is. Yeah, um, I
0: don't care for those Joy-Cons. Nope.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was maybe my larger problem is that playing it handheld with it in front of my screen and trying to like push things while I'm also trying to like concentrate on the screen and Joy-Cons don't feel great to start with. I'm sorry, but I don't know who I'm apologizing uh, I don't know who I'm apologizing to, like Doug Bowser, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry, Doug. Yeah, Sorry, well, Doug. The joke do okay. not suck. But Calel, Callel in the chat says, get a pro controller. I have a pro controller right here. The problem is when you have no power, uh, you can't really like dock a switch and plug it into a monitor. <laughs> so, oh, you don't um, say. I could have like kickstanded my switch, I guess. But who, who does that? No one actually does that in real I life. I did that not once
1: s- and I can't remember the reason why. It was really weird. It felt perverse. I did it on a plane, if you can believe it. It was actually kind of a nice
0: experience.
1: That was like in the debut trailer for the the Switch. Some yeah. jabroni playing it on the plane. I was exactly. that jabroni.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There you. Well, this least you were entertained, jabroni.
2: And then I and know. then you hit some turbulence and that little little table launches the switch Ew, right up into the air. Right
1: into the <laughs> ceiling. <laughs> Who wants to play the switch and it goes back um, to the back of the But plane. yeah yeah yeah.
2: So so that's my that's my complaints out of the way. That's me being a naysayer out of the way. Uh I love the music selection. I actually think they did a great job for the demo of picking music that mm-hmm. people would like and people would be interested in because it was 257 uh 13 14 15 were the yeah. games that were included in the the demo and that's a really good spread because 14 you might think that's more modern but really it's a lot of kind of songs that have some motifs from past final fantasies you know it's a little bit greatest hits mixed with some original stuff and then yeah. you've got 15 uh, i i love 15 it was probably the weakest of the bunch in there uh 13 ooh 13 has bangers 13, 13 has, has great music bangers uh two it's it's your classic Final Fantasy Two's, 5. Yeah,
1: it has, like, you know, classic sounds.
2: I was saying Final Fantasy 5. Good oh, yeah. tunes. Battle, oh, on, yeah. music. The bridge, Battle yeah. on the Big Bridge, my friend. Battle on the Big Bridge. The Rebel Army or something yeah. like that. Even just the, the main theme of Final Fantasy 5. Very, very pleasing. Very fun I to play. I discovered
0: that I actually really enjoyed the NES music when I was playing theater rhythm because uh, very catchy and I was mm-hmm. like, well, oh, Nobuo Uematsu was making maximum use of that sound chip, even back in 1989,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. So that's Eric's power ranking. I would say that like FF7 is still probably tops, but then like Really? FF13 to FF5, FF2 and then 15 at the bottom. 15 just uh it's Take it's another easy. shot. <laughs> yeah. What? What's what's wrong about that?
0: <laughs> Final Fantasy 6 is the best one.
2: No, 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 I'm saying no, I'm saying of the ones that were in that demo of the ones that were oh, in, that in the demo to be clear, yeah. to be clear. Got yes. it, got it. I mean, no, one we an
0: angel. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. To be clear, once once we have all played theater rhythm, maybe then we do a Blood God episode ranking the Final Fantasy soundtracks. Mm. I'd be down for that. I'd be down but. for
0: that. Ooh, kal L says hot take Final Fantasy eights soundtrack greater than Final Fantasy seven.
1: I agree with you, kal That's a good take. IMO. Mm. No, uh, I think Final Fantasy Seven, I just hear uh, listen to the cries of the planet and it's just like, oh man, this is such a great soundtrack. Seven, seven is like, moody. Good... I love seven for that reason, yeah. Seven
2: is a got vibe. good battle themes though. It's got the du- it's got du- the bombing du- mission. Du- du- it's du- got du- the the du- entire du- chase du- du- scene du- du- where, where you're doing stuff. Yeah. Final
0: Fantasy Eight has some music where you're attacking the beach, has a multiple banger battle themes. It has an absolute incredible leg motif with the sorceress uh the sorceress yeah. music just kind of weaved throughout. It's a very cohesive soundtrack. and then the extreme is actually a very underrated uh, final boss track, in my opinion. Okay. It is it goes hard across four multiple four battle themes. It, it's great, great battle themes so
2: the one thing I'll say about Theat rhythm and why I'm probably not going to end up getting the game is that it has a, a premium price point and then a digital deluxe on top of it.
3: Yeah, and then an yeah. extra
2: thing on top of it, if you want to get all the music. So it is a really big asking price and they put some really good songs like Chrono Trigger music and like to Zanarkin, like the song from final fantasy 10 is behind one of those. Yeah, horror-alls. I saw
1: that. That's just like, you guys are mean. Don't,
2: like, Don't log Xanarkin yeah. like that. I I did not like that, uh, especially as a Final Fantasy X fan. So yeah,
1: no, I was just I was a little disappointed to see that.
2: We we will see, uh, but I I would like to maybe pick that game up just to revisit, you know, Final Fantasy music and maybe do a little Blood God thing here where we uh, count it on down, rank it.
1: I'm down. I'm down to clown. Well, speaking of music,
0: I have been playing Hi Fi Rush. On mm. Xbox uh, mm. Series Xs through Game Pass, randomly dropped um, not this week but the week before, and uh, I'm I'm just gonna put out a hot take. This game is very very good. A lot of people have been comparing it to Lost Dreamcast or GameCube games, yeah. and I totally agree with that, not the least because Tango GameWorks was founded by Shinji Mikami who was one of the core founders of uh, Platinum Games back in the day. And this game has a real beautiful Joe kind of feel, very early 2000s. It's delightful. I'm really enjoying it. I'm not even that much into the 90s rock, nine-inch nails and whatnot that it is putting out there. But I, the idea of a rhythm action game is so fun, and it's so well done that i i'm vibing with this game i'm gonna keep playing it um and in fact i'm getting on an airplane tomorrow and the only thing that's keeping me from just spending the money to put this game on my steam deck is the fact that i already have played a bunch on my xbox so i don't really want to start over alas i cannot transfer my save once Uh, again uh, probably yeah i I might want to look into that but in, in any event, Hi-Fi Rush is excellent. Also, spe- speaking of music, I was at an event last night. It was, a, it was a concert. It was just some like local indie groups, and a friend of mine was organizing uh, the event. So I was there to uh, check it out, have some drinks, have some fun. And the bartender goes, By the way, I'm a huge Acts of the Blood God fan. Yo! Yeah. Yeah. Let's go! Your podcast go. makes my Mondays. And I oh, should yeah. have been like, well, shit, drinks are on you, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> Next time, Gadget. <laughs> Here's to you, my dude. Thank you yeah. so much for your your kind words. Had a blast last night. It was at the Knockout in uh, mm. Mission knockout. in San Francisco. So really good time last night. But um, and beyond that, the game that I'll, I will be playing on my Steam Deck, because I'm bringing my Steam Deck with me when I fly cross-country tomorrow. Is a Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII remake, which is um, I'm enjoying it. I don't love it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I think I think I've said on this podcast that it is really firmly in that extremely stupid compilation of Final Fantasy era. It's probably mm-hmm. the best uh, out of them out of the Advent Children and the Dirge of Cerberus and all of that. But that doesn't necessarily say much. Zach is nice. I just crashed in through the church uh, ceiling, and I met Aerith, and I think the best thing I can say about this is that the graphics are generally very nice. Pretty variable, but generally very nice. Great combat system as well. So,
2: Wait, so Zach meets Aerith by crashing through the church ceiling?
1: Yeah, they uh, they do. They're like, hey, kids, do you remember this reference? They're definitely Mamba berries So. And- yeah, Does
2: Aerith keep going back to this church because cute boys keep falling through the ceiling? Because, I mean, that's I not a bad way. reason I to don't, keep... I don't
1: blame her, yeah, when you put it like if that. If that was
2: church, more people would go. But... <laughs> if, more,
1: <laughs> if, if more hot ladies and men drop through church uh, roofs, there would not be a problem with people signing you up for congregation. An anime
2: boys falling through the roof of this church?
1: <laughs> it's a little silly. Um, I do like
0: Aerith's outfit. It's, oh, yeah, it's very uh, cute. skirt and everything, very cute. Much younger, much younger Aerith, but still a similar vibe to the one that we got in uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I don't like Genesis. Genesis is a nerd. Is Genesis the one played by Gact Or Gact? whatever his name is. Yeah, Yeah,
1: he's a dorkus malarcus.
0: Let's try to do (laughs) Sephiroth again. Again, Exactly.
1: But the funny thing is, Sephiroth in Final Fantasy in Crisis Core is pretty cool. Like before he goes crazy in the mm. mansion, he's a pretty cool guy. Like he's a little bit arrogant, but whatever. He's hot. He knows he's hot. Seems, but he's all right. Cool dude. He's all right. Sephiroth yeah, versus Sephiroth versus Genesis was a
0: it's a pretty cool fight on uh-huh. the Junon cannon where they're just slicing off pieces, and I'm just like, oh no, the cannon.
1: why <laughs> it do you cost money, they- dude? Oh, it's
0: a simulation.
1: Okay, that's fine. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I kind of hate that trope, the the simulation. Like, two heroes fighting, blowing everything up. Whoa, what's going on? Oh, it's a simulation. All right, go to hell.
0: Did you have to explain the one-winged angel thing? Did you square?
2: Wait, they explain (laughs) it?
0: They, like, explain it. It's part of the story. It's like, why does Sephiroth have the wing? Why? We need to know. Symbolism. now we know for reasons. Uh, But... Come on, Square. What you doing? So man.
1: sometimes these days squares have to Square has to talk about everything and tell you everything, but Mm-mm. back in the day they wouldn't even tell you like Final Fantasy VI that Shadow was Realm's father. They wanted you to figure it out for yourself. Like they confirmed mm-hmm. it years later, but they actually took out evidence of them being like father and daughter because they're like, you know what, let's not make this too obvious. Well, that was a long time ago, because brother, let me tell you now. I have a, a hot take about
0: Sephiroth. Sephiroth is like the shark from Jaws. The -hmm. less you see of him, the cooler he is. Like when you are playing Final Fantasy VII and you see the Shinra president's dead and he's got the sword through him and you're chasing him around, Mm -hmm. or like you Mm -hmm. see him very briefly walking into the fire, or you are traveling along with him and he's just completely bossing things. He kills the snake that was like murdering you, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing.
1: Sephiroth is dope. Right? Um, Yeah, I've I've said many times how that intro, that fight with the green dragon in the rain, it's just one of the coolest events in an RPG ever. Like that is one of the best villain introductions I've ever seen. But you do kind of see like I think the first time he actually freaked me out was when you try to cross the marsh. If you don't have a chocobo, you you get hit by this huge ass snake. But you cross the marsh and you see like he has speared the snake with like on a tree. It's really disgusting and cool. So cool. Great art.
0: Um you 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 hang out with Sephiroth too much in Crisis Core, so it gets you to really start thinking about his design and that giant sword and the the hair and the facial structure and everything and how he looks a little cartoony. And at a certain point, you just go, "Oh, Sephiroth looks a little dumb. I don't know.
1: Oh, I now know you're really like one of, the, the angry fan girls.
0: I know he's one of the iconic villain designs in RPG history." I get it. But when he's just hanging out with you, like Sephiroth just chilling with you doesn't work for me. Yeah. I think he's it supposed does. to be larger than life.
2: He's just yeah, larger no, you're than right. life, you know.
1: You're right. But coming at it from that angle, like, okay, here's this great mysterious character who's just kind of being a bro, I think that's pretty funny. Well,
2: there there's there's like times and places for these things. Like Vader is one of those great villains that is like a symbol is like a, a an image that you can see as like a villain. And then Every once in a while, the Star Wars trilogy would be like, okay, here's like a hint of his humanity. Here's like a skosh of Vader, not as this cartoon villain, but as a person. And then we're going to go right back to him being a cartoon villain. And I do think there's a balance. You got to strike. That being said, Sephiroth being around more in 7 Remake is what led to that scene where Cloud tries to slash him with his sword and hits the door. And it's the best scene in 7 Remake. And so that alone is worth it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I... Uh, I, I agree with your Darth Vader take. I think that anytime he's hanging out or talking or being a character, he's lame. They did an okay job with him in Obi-Wan Kenobi, except oh,
3: hmm.
0: except I just uh, the the, the climactic battle wholly unearned, wholly unearned. He, he and it, also Darth Vader was kind of stupid in, the, <laughs> in that movie I the did, most part. I, He's much better when he's cloaked in darkness. Yeah. Or just being really angry, that kind of thing.
2: The, the um, Rogue One Vader of of you know showing up and just being this unstoppable force. Or that's like the Jedi only part of Rogue one Over. I remember. Except that
0: yeah. one scene practically ruined Star Wars because Disney was like, "Oh, so that's what the fanboys want," and then it was all downhill from there.
2: You're right. You are right.
0: Yeah. Having said that, I am watching Andor right mm. now uh, with my girlfriend, and really i am now enjoying it i am officially enjoying andor just wrapped up uh episode 10 and i just have to say that i've made my mind a sunless space i share my dreams with ghosts so that's uh that's that's my outlook on games journalism now for no, now have you two watched andor bleak. you no, i i do not I see I need a flash of recognition andor. on your in your eye y'all
2: okay it, it seems yeah. like it seems like it's good. It seems yeah. like what I have yeah. wanted from Star Wars even more than Mandalorian, it seems like Andor is probably what I've wanted from Star Wars for a long time.
0: It's going to be weird going back to Mandalorian season 3. I admittedly am looking forward to it, but after the vibes of Andor, it's going to be so strange going over to Mandalorian and being like, "Okay, so we're back to the other kind of Star Wars" because mm, Andor yeah. is this super serious take on the Galactic Empire. And I was very at odds with it for a while because I was like, this doesn't feel like Star Wars. And now I'm just like, this is compelling, <laughs> you know, this is a compelling narrative.
2: Yeah, outright. One of the things I love about it is that it doesn't star a Jedi. It's not a Jedi yeah. story from what I can tell so far. And like Mandalorian is not that either. But Mandalorian is pretty quick, like our protagonist has a bunch of cool weapons and here's a special baby yoda and stuff like that and i was just like uh but like andor is just a bunch of people it's just a bunch of people trying to live and that first season of andor or first scene of andor i mean like really sells that pitch but it's something that i feel like i need to like put aside time and sit down and be like it's andor time and i just and or time
0: Dara- <laughs> uh, yeah you also have to thanks Not you have to go through <laughs>
1: You really have to get to episode four before you make any judgments.
0: Uh, Nadia, what are you playing?
1: I'm also playing theater rhythm. And I find Eric's comments kind of interesting because I am a controller trash person. And I love the way it feels, especially once I figured out how the kind of the swoops work, like the up and down wavy parts.
2: What did you play on? What did you play on? I'm
1: playing on Switch, handheld.
2: So you played it with the Joy-Cons?
1: Yeah. And
2: okay, maybe I'm, I just hate Joy-Cons then. It's very possible you it. just
1: hate Joy-Cons. I don't blame you. They yeah. feel kind of flimsy, but I, I know the feeling of like the controller in my hand when I play rhythm games, because almost all the rhythm games I play are on consoles. Did you play Signora Wild Hearts?
2: Oh, not yet. I know that's I need to. That's a great to. game,
1: but that's also, yeah. I don't know if that has uh, any sort of, any sort of uh, mouse controls on Steam, but whatever. I played on Switch as well. Uh, but yeah, I also played the original Theater Rhythm, so I know kind of what it feels like already. Although they did have to change something because you can't use a touch screen now, right. so yeah, I'm really, I really enjoyed that. And I'm like, you're talking about Final Fantasy V music for the most part. I agree, it's great. Except I hate the, I hate the song Harvest. Like mm. it's one of those mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. where if I had, if I had them playing that game on the family living room TV, my father would have made me turn it off because the music's so shrill and awful. But I play the song cause I'm like, well, I got to play it to kind of proceed. And I double S it. I'm like, Oh, give me a break. Come on. I hate this song. Don't do this to me. <laughs> uh,
2: what is, is, is Mamba? Is it Mamba de Chocobo? Ba, 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 is that the ba, one that's in? Ba, ba, ba. Yeah. yeah that, I think that's a final fantasy five one. That's uh, what I triple
1: S that one, but
0: how that do one's I not?
2: so good. Da, 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 oh. da, 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 da. That's perfect.
0: My thing with theater rhythm is that there are a lot of songs that I absolutely love. And it, Decent number that I don't actually like that mar- that much, and so suffering through the ones I don't like most most of the time. I'm just
1: like, oh, no, I just want to play Battle on the Big Bridge
2: over and what over and over again. Like there's
1: a quest mode, and there's a mode where you just pick what you want to play and play it.
2: Mm-hmm. Here's my other problem I did not state before: uh, their selections for the 14 party are bad. Uh yeah, uh, yeah, I know. There's, so there's it's, the Scions, it's early. Thankrid, Alphano, uh. Uh oh Ida Ida and then Eda. two different Ishtolas. Yeah. And like no Alize, no Uriange. really really you're not going to get those two in there. You're not going to get Estinian my boy Estinian in I there. I
1: started with Final Fantasy 14, of course I did, and I kicked everyone out of my party except for Alphinoe and replaced them all with like Red Thirteen and Cloud and uh, Tifa.
2: I used the 15 party. I just used the They're boys. boys from 15. They're good boys. It's it's They're such like cats. they it, I like the idea of them being on a road trip, and they just keep winding up in different Final Fantasy games. And they're like, "Oh, what's this? Oh well, I guess we got to fight to the rhythm now. Let's go, Noctis."
1: That seems to happen a lot. There's one where Noctis ends up in Final Fantasy XIV. Like, why am I a cat? Like, there was there was a whole quest about that. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm playing Final Fantasy fourteen. I'm playing Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm. I'm also playing uh, car jockey, Still trying to breed horses that mm-hmm. will win G ones without much effort. It's harder than than he would think because they keep going crazy. And uh, playing, uh, what was it? Fire Emblem, of course. Fire Emblem's great. Really having a great time with that one.
2: Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to that one. I actually put up I a screenshot
1: time. on Twitter just before the show where uh, Alcrest. I had a meal and it turned out really bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. It, the what's his name couldn't cook. The God guy. And uh, Alcrest says, "Wow, this meal's a disappointment, just like me." And I just died laughing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay nadia what are what are your opinions on yunaka aka haya papaya
1: i like her but at the same time i'm okay, like oh okay I, I i also like the other thief guy i am trying to level up my thieves like change their class mm-hmm. but they only have proficiency in daggers and i'm like well this isn't going to do me any good so i gotta get them proficiency with swords
2: yeah, yeah. So you just use the engage rings, right, to like yeah. add proficiency to different characters, because that's why Unaka on my playthrough has stave proficiency from Micaiah. But I think that's kind of what they want you to do is like, instead mm-hmm. of in three houses, putting them in classes that would level their other stuff, or like training them with other units, you instead just like, have them hold the rings, and they will eventually build up mastery in other weapons, which is yeah interesting kind of i don't clumsy. know if i like it there yeah. is
1: my major complaint about fire emblem engage as much as i love it i think i might like it as much as awakening is that there's so much micromanagement it's just mm-hmm. uh every like i spend just as much time fiddling with the inventory and up in the Som, Somlin or whatever it's called for the island uh just kind of getting things ready to battle yeah for, i don't it, know the, the place that starts with an s <laughs> it's...
2: yeah yeah it's It is weird how much fiddling with inventory there is, even when you don't have weapon durability to deal with. I still feel like every time I've played that game or tried to get back into playing that game because I keep dipping in and out of it because I'm playing other stuff for like current games or review coverage. And... Every time I jump back in, I have to, like, go through menus and be like, okay, what what was I doing? Where were these things? What did I have on everybody? I just got three new units. So do I need to buy more weapons for them and equip them out? Or do I have stuff in the inventory?
1: I've learned that it's more about upgrading weapons versus buying new ones.
2: Yeah, and I haven't even messed around with that yet. I would
1: definitely mess around with that because all the iron and silver and and garbage you find, like, it goes into uh, leveling up your weapons. And it's Mm, not about buying Weapons anymore. You can, but right. it it advances much more slowly. Like usually, when you advance in the story of Fire Emblem, you start with like, oh, you can buy your iron sword, they can buy your steel sword, they can buy right. your silver sword. It's not quite that fast in this game.
0: I want to play Fire Emblem Engage again, and I will get around to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I had to. I was like making a choice as I was preparing to get on a flight, uh, and I thought, no, I, I want to keep focusing on uh Crisis Core. I I'm just in an action game mood. Lately, I think,
1: I guess, Uh, so. I do love that. I do love her. Hiya, papaya. And then every every time I have a, (laughs) every time I've had a conversation with Yunaka, um, with anyone talking to Yunaka, they're like, hi, Yunaka, how are you today? I can't tell you anything about who I am or I'll have to kill you. Okay, cool. (laughs) Want to go get something to eat? (laughs)
2: <laughs> i've got a killer's eyes is one of my favorite bits yeah. in, in the new <laughs> film Let's that and back. making ike this giant himbo who's just like oh no but he <laughs> there's is a, a really himbo. there's a great clip going around of one of the characters being like so when you become emblems do you just like grow in stature like your great warriors and ike's like no i'm just big <laughs> <laughs> I, love I, I love i i love ike. i fight for my friend
0: he does like Ike. <laughs> yeah, I'll pick up Fire Emblem Engage again before the end of the year. I, I was really digging it, um, but also I got slowed down a little bit because I was playing on hard, so maybe I'll just drop yeah. it back down to normal. Definitely drop it back down to normal. Have a very chill, casual time. I'm not too worried about actually uh, trying to have a real challenge with this game. I'm just en- enjoying the the nice maps and everything. All right, that's it for what we have been playing. And now it's time for a series of random encounters.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health
0: Division Blizzard will pay $35 million settlement with the SEC. There have been many, many live game closures announced, including Rumbleverse, Knockout City, Apex Legends Mobile, Crossfire X, and that's just to name a few. Mm-hmm. EA reportedly canceled their single-player Apex Legends slash Titanfall project, which has uh, broken Eric's poor little heart. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm Eric, sorry, please. Eric.
2: I'll get past it. I'll get past it. We 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 Titanfall fans have suffered long and we will continue to suffer.
1: I understand as a Mega Man fan. Final
0: Fantasy 14 producer Naoki Yoshida is disappointed in everyone for more third party <laughs> app issues in the latest raid race. Why why don't Final Fantasy why are Final Fantasy 14 players so against mods? You have 30 seconds to
2: explain this to me. Wait, why are they against mods? They're not against mods. And- They're not against mods. It's they're using them. So, okay. The, the quick version of the story is that people race for the world's first in the top level raids. And the newest one just came out in 14. Uh, during the last one that came out before a dragon song reprise, people got caught clearing worlds first with, third-party app usage which is looked down upon because it can usually give you information or tips or just otherwise help that you're not supposed to have the design is not you know it's not designed to have it uh this one some footage leaked that seemed to indicate that one of the players was using zoom hacks to see way more of the field than you're supposed to be able to uh and like Scandal. the footage got out there and was leaked onto youtube and so yoshida already had to put out a statement the first time saying please don't use third-party apps we don't want to have to crack down on this stuff like that's the thing yeah he's he has never and he had to reiterate it in in the new we are disappointed in you message
0: was he referring to what was he saying mods won't make you an alpha was this a thing that he said no no uh,
2: okay no, no, that's okay, okay. No, he this this is very much like he he went on before saying like, hey, don't use mods. Uh, Don't get caught using mods. And to be clear, he has never endorsed the use of mods. He had to reiterate that this time because sometimes players will be like, oh, he's saying just don't get caught using mods. He is not saying that. He is not saying that. That being said, don't get I am telling you, don't get caught using mods because there's a lot of. There's a lot of different mods out there. Some of them are just to make your G post screenshots look cooler. And some of them tell you raid numbers, like your DPS percentage and stuff like that. And some of them are like zoom hacks and people were using allegedly using them. So it's, it's all a mess and the whole community is up in a tizzy once again, but at this point it's kind of just a joke because this is the second time. Anyway, I don't use so. Yeah. Why they're all nuts. it's like they're legitimately going, why do you keep doing this? If you keep doing this, I th- Yoshida said something like, we are going to have to reconsider how we approach this stuff. If y'all are going to keep doing this. Yeah. Are we done? Okay, great.
0: <laughs> um, street fighter is getting a free to play RPG on mobile in February. A Nintendo direct is heavily rumored for next week. Uh, we could be getting new tears of the kingdom details and Yeehaw! knowing Nintendo directs, uh, directs. We, uh, We'll probably get a lot of RPG announcements because mm-hmm. they're Nintendo Directs. Uh, have they announced the release dates for the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters on Switch yet? I know that they've confirmed I don't them. think so. Yeah, That's a good
2: question. Yeah. It's about time. Um, what
0: surprise remaster will we get next?
1: Probably many.
2: <laughs> What's left? What, Terranigma? Is that what we're getting next? Oh, we are <laughs> never going <laughs> to see a the Cat collection.
1: Games. The Quintech collection. I can't say we're never going to see them. We did see that new Actraiser, and that was a good game. That's part of the Quintech collection. I'd
2: love to see a new Illusion of Gaia, like a remake of it. Good good news, everyone. I pulled out FF Pixel Remaster Switch Date, and Google told me December 17th, 1988.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you, Google. Very helpful.
2: Which is the date that Final Fantasy II came out. No
0: no wonder you're the
1: king of the world, Google.
2: There's a lot of rumors
0: of a Final Fantasy IX uh, remaster, remake of of some kind. I would not be shocked if they announced it at oh, this sure Nintendo Direct. And then finally, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo are all skipping E3 2023. Sad trombone. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Don't make me sit
1: through Jeff Keeley's summer picnic again.
0: No, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to watch Senator Jeff Keeley's summer game mess, and you're going to
1: enjoy <laughs> it, Nadia. <laughs> I keep forgetting well, the summer game mess name. It's so
2: good. That's the thing is this whole... Summer event has just, I think, permanently spread out into something more akin to South by Southwest, where it's like a mm-hmm. festival sort yeah. of situation. And there's a bunch of different events. Cause I think Microsoft is still saying it's going to host an offsite event in the vicinity of E3 or something to that A few effect. days
0: ahead of time.
2: Yeah. But yeah. If
0: you are, okay, we don't know if that's going to be media only. Right. First of all, right. it could Which be just e three
2: is industry and consumers.
0: It could just be a preview event for media exactly. people. So if mm-hmm. you're going to E3 and you go to the L.A. Convention Center, you're not going to find Microsoft or Nintendo or Sony. Mm-hmm. So. Right.
2: Yeah, that, that was my broader point is that like this whole thing has just kind of I think permanently ballooned out more than it used to be, you know, E3 used to be a contained thing. And then it kind of opened and opened. And now that the pandemic just bust what E3 was down. Uh, this is probably a new normal we're looking at where everybody just has like a week in LA and there's events and stuff happening, but who's to say.
0: Whomst indeed. But I think Nintendo was the most disappointing one because they've traditionally had a booth even as the other platform holders have gone away. Uh, VGC reported, and I can corroborate that, uh, that Nintendo apparently pulled out because their, uh, schedule it, it does not align with their second half schedule. Uh, suggesting that maybe their second half schedule is a little light and they don't necessarily have a lot to promote, or at least not enough to anchor a booth.
2: Open yeah. a drawer that Advance Wars is sitting in <laughs> to open the Advance Wars drawer.
1: Like Tears of the Kingdom is what? May, was it? Or April? I don't remember exactly. Um,
2: Tears of the Kingdom is
1: in May. So, mm-hmm. so that's before, yeah, E3. So they everything's going to
0: come out in June. Mm-hmm. So right. at, at this point, it's going to be like we're going to have that huge uh crescendo it's going to hit the the top the whatever the apex uh, the climax thank you and it's <laughs> going to <laughs> and it's going and then we'll hit e3 and I'll be like oh what do we have left to look forward to yeah, and, you know, yeah. we're all going to be
1: busy playing games in june that's true i'm going to be very busy playing games it's very considerate of you e3 you should have thought that thought of that yeah. so We might be looking forward
0: to starfield if it's not out by then you know that kind of thing but 16 yeah. is
2: in June, right? 16
0: that's, is in June, Diablo yeah. 4 is in June, Street mm. Fighter 6 is in June. Oh, that's a big big month. Oh, RIP you guys. I yeah. we might I I want to be it would be interesting if we heard about Silk Song the next Nintendo Direct. I think Silk Song generally gets priority for uh Xbox events in terms of the the release date, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a rough E3 2023, unfortunately. All right. That's it for the random encounters. It's now time for our main topic, our interview with Robert Boyd. And that's going to be happening right now. Don't go away.
2: And welcome back to Acts of the Blood God. Sorry, Kat is not here for the main show. I know, it's breaking the hearts of everyone at home. Kat is off and traveling and flying, so it's just Nadia and myself for this main segment. But we do have here with us the one and only Robert Boyd. Robert, how you doing? I'm doing good. Heck yeah, heck yeah. How, how are you feeling on this Saturday morning? It's a weird Saturday that we're recording this. Or, yeah. Are you, I, I imagine um, that, that you are... Are have you been affected by the recent winter storms at all
4: uh no i'm in at the moment i'm in mexico so it's not very stormy here
2: see that's (laughs) nice that's where i had to flee to that that would have been the smart choice i should have gone
1: yeah you're not (laughs) too far from the border eric i have two borders to hop over you got like one and it's right there
2: yeah honestly closer to me than than you
4: (laughs) Today is uh, ice cream for breakfast day, so that was fun.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Every day is ice cream for breakfast. Actually, I don't really eat breakfast very much. I tend to just nibble on something when I wake up and I exercise and then I eat lunch. I wake up very late, so I don't wake up too late for breakfast. I'll admit it right here.
2: I mean, nothing is theoretically stopping you from eating ice cream for breakfast, but you probably shouldn't make a habit of it either. (laughs) No, do it every day.
1: Screw the man.
2: Well, our main show segment we are here to talk about is, Robert, uh, you got a new game. Uh, this Way Madness Lies is a Shakespearean Magical Girl RPG. And uh, how about you tell us like what the, the elevator pitch for this is, if you were to try and pitch it to someone in an elevator?
4: Um, yeah, I think you got it just there. It's a Shakespeare-themed Magical Girl JRPG. Um, it's about a group of... You know, high school girls who are also have magical powers and they travel to different worlds, which are all based sometimes very loosely on Shakespeare plays. And they have to fight monsters and do high school stuff. And it's a really fun game. So be sure to buy it.
1: I've like played some of it myself and it's pretty hilarious. I have to say, like it is. Yes. As you say, Shakespeare, magical girl, uh, I'm assuming, uh, some sort of like Cthulhu monstrosities in there too as well, but it's just an interesting mashup of ideas. I mean, I like magical girls. I love Shakespeare. So what kind of made you decide, hey, these two things need to get married?
4: Uh, Well, you know, we decided we wanted to do a magical girl RPG and, Mm -hmm. you know, I was talking to my wife and she was like, oh yeah, magical girls, uh, they always have some sort of theme with them. Like Sailor Moon has mm-hmm. the whole planetary space theme and such. So we we're trying to come up with a good theme. And she was like, I really like Shakespeare. Do Shakespeare. There's lots of strong <laughs> women characters in there. And I was like, sure. Yeah, That I don't think that's been done before. So um, the script went through a few different you know, iterations while we're trying to figure things out. But I'm really pleased with how it turned out. And this is a little different than past games I've worked on in that, Mm -hmm. you know, I had some help with the script um, Mm -hmm. since I am neither magical nor a girl. Mm -hmm. I got (laughs) uh, one of my daughters that uh, helped write it and uh, she helped edit it and made sure that the characters sounded like teenage girls and not like 42-year-old men. (laughs) and she threw in some jokes that were funnier than mine so we kept them and you know so it was you know a different but very fun experience compared to our past games
1: yeah uh, I like the kind of in-game Shakespeare translator which is very much does not take itself seriously but it's still kind of accurate so uh, you win like I uh, early in the game there's you you fight the uh, kind of uh, Audrey 2 plant and it's speaks in Shakespearean, <laughs> but when you translate it, it's just feed me, feed me all night long. I'll grow up big and strong.
4: Yeah, the sh- Shakespeare translator didn't come, you know, we didn't think of that till a few months into development, but I think it really helped make the game what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a really cool touch, especially since uh, when I studied Shakespeare, I don't know if I went to a dumb kid's school or whatever, or if everyone did this, but we had the editions where you'd have... One side is Shakespearean. The other side is regular English. And um, I mean, to me, it just helped me enjoy Shakespeare a lot more. I know that that probably wasn't the, what the gifted kid class did, which I certainly <laughs> wasn't in. But that's what I had.
2: Uh, so when it comes to specifically what parts of Shakespeare you chose to to go after, obviously the game. Starts with Romeo and Juliet, but what were some of like the big Shakespeare works that you knew you wanted to highlight and and was like there a particular reason you wanted to maybe they fit into the RPG framework in a good way?
4: Um, Yeah, like, obviously, Romeo and Juliet was a a big inclusion right off the bat. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at first we were going to go with Juliet as being one of the main characters, but then we thought, you know, it'd be more fun to highlight some of the lesser known you know shakespearean characters hmm. um and yeah we tried to you know stick in a little bit of everything um how good of a rpg dungeon they would make was a big thing like right yeah you know, we have a you know a ship dungeon and we have a forest dungeon you know pretty standard rpg dungeons a castle so just trying to match those up to the appropriate plays uh, but like i said you know my wife was the one who suggested it and she was our Resident Shakespeare expert for all of our research needs. Uh, what for, what's
1: her favorite play or your favorite play?
4: Oh, I do not know her favorite play.
1: How do you not know your what? I'm joking. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> Divorce wow. right now. Acts, acts of the Blood God asking the hard questions. Do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? Um, I, I mean, I like Romeo and
4: Juliet. Uh, not so much for the play, but just how often it's adapted and riffed in, you know, oh, media. Yeah. I'm,
1: um, I'm assuming and hoping you've seen the Baz Lerman adaptation.
4: I have seen the Baz Lerman adaptation. Uh, we were like, okay, you know, we got to watch a play for a version of each of these plays. And we're like, let's just go completely insane and watch this one with, you know, <laughs> yes. all the guns and, you know, the weird mm-hmm. camera mm-hmm. angles and,
1: you have to read, um, I wrote it for Inverse, a whole thing about how basically Nomura and the people who worked on uh, Square Enix RPGs in the same era really just hung on to that movie and really leaned hard into it. And I was, re- I was re-watching it and I was just like, oh my God, these characters, the, the Montagues, and the capitalists, they're all JRPG sidekicks. They're all mm-hmm. like Zell and they're all just like, you know, um, thinking of someone from Final Fantasy X, like, titus is is exactly like leonardo dicaprio so it's just
4: yeah i can see that in like advent children and stuff such it's just oh absolutely over the top like that
1: yeah so that's a that's a very important movie to me because as you say it's insane
2: everyone in the the stars of destiny chat right now is shouting out some of their favorite ones right now taming of the shrew midsummer night's dream much ado about nothing henry v i wrote in 12 night (laughs) 12 nights one of my favorites I didn't know like *Twelfth Night* Caesar. very much. Twelfth Night* was we read that for we read that for uh, English one year, but we we got to watch the movie I forgot who someone very notable starred in the movie adaptation. But it was very very good. Uh, we had a great time with it.
1: One of my favorites was Othello. That was grade eleven English, and um, we watched the movie with is it Lawrence Fishburne in that one? Like he was in some *Othello* sounds,
2: movie. Sounds familiar. Yeah, It was
1: really great. Like. great play one of my favorites
2: that is a good one um so the other thing i i want to note right away about when i booted up uh this way madness lies the music Mm -hmm. goes really hard (laughs) and it was immediately like just being blasted with uh magical girl anime saturday morning like waking up watching some sailor moon uh where did that sort of you know, obviously the inspiration's obvious it comes from a lot of that history there with magical girl style stuff. But how did y'all go about creating the sort of sound you wanted for this way madness lies?
4: Um yeah, like with the music, we you know, music is essential in JRPGs and RPGs in general. Uh so we always, you know, try to pick somebody who understands that and can do a jo- good job on that. So um, with this game, we did. Uh, we worked with Joshua Queen, um, who also worked with us on a previous game, Cthulhu Saves Christmas. And I, th- I was talking to him, I was like, Oh, magical girl. And I was like, Oh, you know, your wife is a awesome singer. You know, could we get a vocal song or two in here? And he was like, I got you covered. So you <laughs> know, he went hard with it. You know, his wife helped out. And then, like, I want to say about a month before release, um, he was doing the sound effects for battle. And he was like, you know, it would be cool if, you know, we had some battle cries in, you know, in the game for some of the sound effects. And I was like, well, we didn't really plan voice acting, but if you think you can make it happen, let's do it. Um, So he got his wife and his daughter to just do a bunch of, you know, silly voices and, uh, do sound effects. And like I said, that was just a few weeks before the game came out. So, you know, he rocked this game. Uh, he did such a good job and I'm really pleased with how the soundtrack turned out and, you know, the sound effects I think really added a nice, uh, dimension to the game.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I've noticed that them saying their battle cries actually, uh, adds something to the game, a little bit of dimension, And it even has that kind of like half kind of slightly muffled sound that you would get on like the SNES or the, the Genesis or the Turbo Graphics, which kind of segues into a question I had for you. Uh your past games have always the cinemas and whatnot have always looked more like Sega C D slash PC engine cinemas than like PlayStation or advanced, you know, more advanced cinemas. Were you one of those weird kids who had a Turbo Graphics
4: instead of an SNES? <laughs> um I did not, but I wanted to.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: Um, I was uh, firmly in the Nintendo camp uh, growing up. You know, my well, actually, I was firmly in the Atari camp growing up. Oh yeah, I'm older. here we are. You know, my first system was an Atari fifty two hundred. So, oh really? You know, doesn't have the nostalgia that most people have. Um, and you know, I had a friend down the street who had a Nintendo, which was like, oh, this is so awesome. You have Legend of Zelda. This is great, and Final Fantasy. And then, you know, I got a Nintendo and then uh, Super Nintendo. And then with the Genesis, I came to the Genesis a little later. I saw an advertisement Same. for Lunar Eternal Blue. I was mm. like, holy cow, this game looks like, you know, an anime. I have to get this game. So I went and, you know, soon after I bought a Genesis with the Sega CD. And at that point, it was on the downswing. So it really wasn't that mm. expensive. And Good catch know, yeah, yeah, I got that, and you know, I got Fantasy Star. You know, when it was not a hundred dollars, it was like oh. twenty bucks, and and so yeah, I have a lot of nostalgia for that whole Genesis, Sega CD era. Even though, you know, most of my childhood was firmly, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and then PlayStation afterwards.
1: Yeah, I I really like your cinemas and how they just use those solid colors very effectively. The way that they did on, as you said, the Sega CD. And PC Engine, unfortunately, a lot of the, the greatest games didn't come over here. And uh, mm-hmm. that was a, a system that had a lot of really unique cinemas, even if you look at like the opening for, say, uh, Rondo of Blood. That's mm-hmm. kind of what your, your style reminds me of. And I'm guessing, of course, that's intentional.
4: Yeah. And like with Cosmic Star Heroine, we got the name um, by mashing up Cosmic Fantasy and Fantasy Star. <laughs> and nice. i've never actually played any of the cosmic fantasy games because <laughs> i didn't own a turbo 16 growing up and you know i i got the mini system that they released i don't know a couple years ago but it didn't have any of those but i just thought oh that's so cool that you know they have these kind of anime rpgs there that are all space themed uh
1: in the chat drew w sorry drew rwx i've feel so dyslexic sometimes, uh, says, (laughs) I've been meaning to play Shining Force. And I noticed your battle screen for this game is a tribute to Shining Force. That's a really cool call out.
4: Uh, Yeah, with the um, battle screen, we were trying to think, oh, we wanted something that would help the game stand out. And we also wanted to make it more cinematic because, you know, Mm -hmm. Magical Girl is very, you know, cinematic people posing and yelling out their moves and such. Um, so we went through several iterations of the battle system uh, b- before deciding, oh, let's do kind of a letterbox look like the Shining Force and Golden Sun games do. Right, Golden um, Sun as well, mm. which mm-hmm. I think worked out really well because not only does it look unique and cool, but also uh, it gives us a lot of uh, screen real estate uh, yeah. to put, you know, menus and ability descriptions and you know, stats and all of that. You know in the you know non-visual area of the screen, which you know you probably don't think about it playing games, but it's a lot more difficult to get all that stuff on the screen when you're dealing with pixel art mm, just because mm. you know you have to you know use larger, blockier uh, fonts and such. Whereas something like Persona five, you know they can have really tiny text down in the corner because, you know, they're they using sure much do. higher
1: resolutions.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. It looks
1: great.
2: Yeah, it's that was something I noticed in the first boss in that Romeo and Juliet area where the second uh, they use their area attack instead of just being sort of the normal getting hit animation. It was this cut in of the entire party getting attacked like it was mm-hmm. this big uh, notable attack. So that was definitely something that you wanted to draw out a little bit was that there's some drama happening in the battle, that there is some uh, I don't know, theatrics. I mean, it's it's fitting, right? Theatrics yeah. to the fight that's happening.
4: Yeah, the special boss animations that we did, um, they, we came up with those pretty early when we were developing the battle system look, but we didn't actually implement them till near the game's release. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a screenshot from Sailor Moon that we saw and we we're like oh this is kind of cool they're all you know bracing themselves against a big mm-hmm. attack so we tried to kind of do something similar with our game. Yeah it mm.
1: definitely has that dramatic magical girl feel so don't worry you completely nailed that. <laughs> I, I do have one question um, we or at least I loved Cosmic Star Heroin, but there was a complaint that Kat and I had where towards the end the battle system did get kind of a little bit of a slog to grind through because you're doing the same things uh, for harder enemies. Did you do anything to kind of
4: rebalance the, the
1: um, system or are you just going to tell us to go to
4: hell, which we deserve? We're okay with that too. <laughs> um, well, with this game, um, like with cosmic star Heroin and Cthulhu saves Christmas, um, there were some complaints that, you know, it, it kind of got sloggy towards the end um, with cosmic star Heroin, we tried to relieve that by just changing up your party so often Right. The idea that, you know, if you didn't have the same party members, you couldn't fall back on the same strategies the whole game. Um, But like with Cthulhu Saves Christmas, we didn't really do that. We had, you know, some random ability system to try to keep things fresh, but it was a shorter game, so we didn't feel it was a huge problem. Right. Uh, But with this game, uh, the main thing I did here was just uh, try to make the enemy HP count smaller. (laughs) That's Mm. always not a bad strategy. Because, you know, I have my idea of, oh, this is how much they should be. And then I just go, nope, people want them to be a little, you know, take what I think is good and then make it smaller. And I feel like that worked. We haven't really gotten the same complaints with this game as we had with the past games. In fact, some people are like, oh, the game's a little too easy, but, you know, there's higher difficulty levels, so you can do that if you want it. But make the enemies, you know, if, if you want to make them harder, you know, focus more on damage and abilities less mm-hmm. than, you know, their HP totals.
1: Right. Okay, I was going to ask you that. So it's not like you just bumped up the HP and said, here's hard mode.
4: With Cosmic Star Hero and I had really grandiose visions of how difficulty was going to be and like oh, the hard modes, they'll have, like, new abilities and such. And, you know, that just turned out to be too hard. So mm-hmm. um, so they are generally just stat bonuses, but they aren't just HP. They're HP damage, speed, right. um, you know, oh. ailment power, that kind of stuff. And usually when I play our games, I play it on the hardest difficulty um, with the idea that if I think it's a good challenge there, then it should be plenty hard for people who did not you know develop it and mess with the code and stuff. right right and if i'm finding it too difficult then you know i just nerf them until it seems good
2: i i was just gonna say that's something that's always been curious to me the the more and more we do this podcast the more i think about like designing these rpg systems is you know what is the metric by which you decide you know how much an auto attack should do, you know, how much a, a basic attack versus a mm-hmm. special attack and stuff like that. Is there any sort of like metric that you use to be like, this is how much, like, like, this is the base of my system, like the base currency of my system, you know, an attack mm-hmm. does this much and everything else is going to be around that. Or is this something you just kind of like have numbers and start to move sliders up and down as, as you develop the combat system?
4: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, usually when i start balancing one of our games i'll go like oh it should take x amount of hits to defeat a Mm. you know medium strength enemy and but then you know after doing a few dungeons like that i'm just like okay this is too much calculation and then i start (laughs) playing it more by ear you know Uh just you know guess you know guessing what the stats should be and then playing through the level and seeing, oh was that too easy was that too hard and you know, adjusting appropriately. Awesome. And, you know, I, I I've, you know, I've been replaying this game cause I'm working on, you know, a new game plus mode, oh, uh, cool. which we like oh, to cool. add yeah. for, you know, when the ports come out so that there's a little extra bonus that we can use say, Oh, it's not just the old game. And, you know, we add it to the PC version as well at that time. And um, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, it's, I feel like it's pretty well balanced. I saw a couple abilities I was like, oh, I'll you know buff these in a patch because I thought they yeah. were a little too weak. and you know, I've been surprised how many little bugs I've been finding as I play through this. <laughs> you, know, you know you always think, oh, it's in good shape and then you're like, oh, you know, if this condition is met then this ability does something completely wrong and <laughs> um, But yeah, like I said with with our balance, it's very much, you know, calculation at first and then, you know, just gut feeling and trial and error, you know, afterwards.
1: I am kind of ignorant of all things mechanical about games. So I'm going to ask a very rookie question, which is like, what was this programmed in?
4: Uh, <laughs> this was programmed in Unity. Okay, cool. Yeah, our our first games were programmed in XNA uh, because they were on Xbox Live Indie Games, which is ah, you know, right. the system that they used. And then starting with Cosmic Star Huron, I switched over to Unity, which um, was much easier in some ways and much more difficult in other ways. Yeah, Of but, course, got to balance you know, that out. It, it helps when, you know, we're doing ports that Unity is specifically designed to make ports not easy, but, you know, easier.
2: Something I wanted to ask about this, uh, the game too, is this game and many of your previous games, I, I frequently frequently see comments that they are, uh shorter they're on the yeah. shorter side and um sometimes that's wielded as like a positive sometimes it's wielded as a negative i feel like 5 10 years ago that was always oh too too short of a game ah where's my play time nowadays i feel like it's very much people are very excited about a game mm-hmm. that they can sit down and and finish in 5 to 10 hours um what has your experience been like on that end, and do you enjoy taking what is largely like a, not to say overwrought, but definitely like a longer genre with with more uh, on the heavier end of the play count spectrum and, and condensing it down to these smaller versions? Is that something you enjoy doing?
4: Um, yeah, I enjoy doing it. it's It's rather stressful during development because i right. never know how long the game's gonna be um mm. so i make this game i'm like please don't be two hours long please don't be two hours long <laughs> you know you know people are gonna be mad if we're selling a game for two you know an rpg that's two hours long and they're you know like we'll get complaints so i was really pleased that it turned out to be you know five to ten hours for most people and you know i i love you know super long rpgs i'm a big fan of dragon quest and dragon quest 11's a gazillion hours i love persona and the last one's like 100 hours long Um, Mm -hmm. right now i'm playing etrian odyssey nexus oh such a good game and you know that that series is usually pretty long but this is like the greatest hits version of the series so you know, it's so long, and I'm like at 60 hours, and I'm not, you know, not in the post game yet. It's
1: huge. It's a huge <clears throat> ass game.
4: Yeah, I'm on like Dungeon 12 or something, not yeah. counting the bonus dungeons. And so, you know, <laughs> I, I really like these huge games. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Path of Exile, which, you know, is a Diablo like, so you can play mm-hmm. it pretty much mm-hmm. as long as you want, and it just keeps getting harder. Um, but, you know, I really feel like there's a market for smaller rpgs that's not being met by you know many companies um just because you know i I like these huge games but sometimes you want you know you're not in the mood to you know put a few more hours into that game you've been playing for three months you know you want Mm -hmm. something that you can you know play over a weekend or two and you know just get a bit of variety and a short concise experience there Um, so, um, with our games, we really, really try to make them short and concise because like I said, it's not a market that the big companies are meeting. It's just, you know, pretty much indies that are doing that right now. And like with this, our Shakespeare themed magical girl, I really don't feel like, um, it would be as good if it was 60 hours. I don't feel like, Mm. you know, I have 60 hours worth of ideas for this kind of concept. Um, but I think as a five to 10 hour game, it's great. And also, you know, me, I don't personally want to be working on a game for five years. No, right. right. Cosmic Star Huron was our longest development. And that was like three and a half years. And then like mm-hmm. another year working on ports mm-hmm. and, you know, a few months beforehand, you know, in the concept area, you know. Doing concept before we actually started. So, you know, it was a huge chunk of my life. (laughs) And, you know, I'm pleased with how the game turned out, but I thought, you know, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to, you know, (laughs) spend half a decade on one game. I'd much rather spend a year or two per game and, you know, then be able to try something new.
1: Yeah. Beware of the Slimes actually uh, on the chat has a question for you. He says, aside from maybe Cosmic Star Heroin, it sounds like you enjoyed doing more than just. Uh, homaging the classics by putting silly or high concept ideas in your rpgs do you consciously try to branch out from the well-worn territory
4: of the genre um well that's really a survival thing mm. Just because, <laughs> i hear that um mm-hmm. there's so many rpgs out there i mean you know there's rpg makers so you have mm-hmm. tons of fan games And, you know, some of which are very high quality and, you know, come out professionally and, you know, are sold on Steam and consoles. And, you know, you've got decades of professional games, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo and on, you know, from, you know, amazing developers. And so it's really just a survival instinct that, you know, I would love to, you know, just flat out make a Dragon Quest. Oh, yeah. I'd play that you know, something that's very, very traditional and just try to do, you know, the best traditional game I I can. But you know, it's hard enough to get noticed even when we are doing wacky concepts that Mm -hmm. I can't imagine, you know, a super traditional game would sell very much at all, you know, without having the backing of a big company and, you know, marketing team. Um, so like right from the start, you know, Breath of Death Seven as like okay it's a very traditional game but you know your entire cast is undead or mm-hmm. you know the cthulhu games you know it's cthulhu but it's a comedy um yeah so you know with each game we try to have that weird and zany elevator pitch just so that we can sell the game and keep making more games
1: it's a good strategy and you have your own look for sure and your own sound so i think that really helps you out in the in the long run cuz i can look at your RPGs and say okay yeah that's uh, zoid i understand i know what that is
4: yeah i mean and you know all of our art has been bill sternberg who does a great job with it mm-hmm. and music mm-hmm. we've used different people um, we did hyperduck for a few games and now we're using uh, working with joshua and you know we love all of our composers they're all amazing and you know love working with them
2: Uh, Um, One thing I wanted to ask, uh, and I did go and check on your Steam page, uh, that it is indeed playable on Steam Deck, but mm -hmm. um, that's been honestly the resounding thing I've heard over and over again, especially when I myself uh, went to go boot up this game was I was like, oh, this is going to be great on Steam Deck. And (laughs) does it kind of feel like there's been a sea change with the way that, you know, indies on Steam are being perceived with Steam Deck in mind now from from your angle as a developer?
4: Um, Yeah, with, you know, before the game came out, everyone was asking, oh, is it going to work on Steam Deck? And I had to say, I have no idea. I don't own a Steam Deck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, um, but, you know, we got some friends and people to test and they're like, oh, yeah, it seems to work fine on Steam Deck. And then um, there's this whole process with Steam where you have to submit your game. Uh, yeah. say hey check you know check and make sure it works on Steam Deck and you know you have first, first you have to be approved to submit and then mm-hmm. you have to actually submit and then you wait a few days and you know they tell you oh you know it works or you know works perfectly or if it works with some caveats and you know so it's a big big deal but yes I've definitely noticed that people especially with these kind of games are like yeah,
2: want to play this on my Steam Deck? You know, make sure it works. I mean, that was the old uh, question that used to always get asked about, like, you know, five years ago. Was is it coming to Switch? When's it coming to Switch? But I've found that the one nice thing, at least, about Steam Deck is that feasibly, if your game has controller support, it's going to run at least somewhat on a Steam Deck. And now that seems to have become the new question, and that's a lot easier for indies to answer, then when's it coming to Switch? Because when's it coming to Switch is a big question. That's that's porting to. A I mean, new that's platform where my OLED that.
1: screen is, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like that's porting to a new platform. That's everything. Where right. Steam right is that's kind true. of I'm assuming Steam is, you know, the platform that you you always work for first as an indie dev. Yeah. Um, yeah.
4: With with Steam, you know, I've you know, I was talking to some other indie developers you know, asking where they should release their game. And I feel like Steam uh, works as kind of a soft launch. Yeah. In that, you know, mm-hmm. you can release mm-hmm. your game and, you know, it's PC, so people are a little more forgiving of bugs and stuff. And so you release it there, you do a few patches because, you know, Steam patching is so easy. You know, I can, mm-hmm. you know, fix the bug and then, you know, I can have the patch up in 10 minutes. It's not like consoles with, you know, all the approvals and stuff. Approval, such. yeah. So, you know, you release on Steam, you get everything, you know, amazing and while you're working on the ports uh, to Switch and PlayStation, Xbox, and what have you.
3: <clears throat>
4: but yeah, Steam is, you know, by far the easiest uh, to release on, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially after you've been doing it a while, it gets pretty automated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the thing with Steam Deck that I really wasn't expecting is they've got such a bizarre resolution on the thing. <laughs> um,
2: it really is. It's not like exactly 16 it, by 9. It's like some strange aspect ratio. Yeah, it,
4: it's... 1280 by 800. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's strange. I don't know why because, you know, 1280 by 720, you know, that's 720p. That's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not as common now as it used to be, but, you know, that's what the Xbox 360 was using it, back it in the day. It makes sense. And, yeah. You know, and the mm-hmm. Switch Portable Mode, that's what it uses. So, you know, and it scales pretty nicely with other resolutions you might use. But, you know, 1280 by 800 is such a bizarre... Resolution. I have That's no so idea strange. why they chose it unless you know they had just a warehouse of you know those kind of screens they were trying to get rid That's of. Extremely at some point. Possible.
2: <laughs> Who bought all these twelve eighty by eight hundred screens? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they're all screwed up. What are we gonna do with them?
1: Throw them out. No, I have a great idea.
2: No oh, one will we'll ever know the the newest, latest, and greatest handheld with all of them. It'll be fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> Valve accidentally creates a new uh, base standard aspect ratio.
1: That would absolutely <laughs> happen in this industry.
2: Um, you've been making uh, RPGs and especially indie RPGs, Steam RPGs for a long time, uh, Robert, mm-hmm. I would say. Not, you know, not, not, you know, eons, but certainly for, for a decent amount of time. And I'm curious, as always, to ask, you know, what is the biggest change you've seen in the industry from when you've started to now?
4: hmm okay yeah like as a teenager i messed around with making games Uh, but yeah our first my first professional rpg was released on xbox live indie games so that was Mm -hmm. in 2010 oh boy over a decade yeah Yeah. gracious um i'd probably say the biggest change i've noticed is just how the scene has exploded in popularity and quantity um, because, you know, when we re- released our game on Xbox Live Indie Games, there was basically no, you know, JRPGs on the service, you know, yeah. at all. You know, th- there were some on the actual console, of course, but not, you know, really in the indie realm. And then um, the next year we released on Steam. And I remember it was Steam at the time was very much a walled garden. You had to get mm-hmm. approval from them. And I'm sure that the only reason why they let us on in the first place was because we were able to go, Hey, look on Xbox live indie games. You know, we had one of the top rated, like literally the top rated indie game for like a month or so. Yeah. You know, you know, it, cause you know, we had an, an indie JRPG that was funny and fun and we were charging a dollar for it. And yeah, at the time, yeah. you know, You know, the dollar indie games were like massage apps and just, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. direct for them. You know, most of them were really, really bad. I mean, not all of them. There were some really good games, too. But, you know, so we said, hey, we got this, you know, these, you know, indie games. Please, please, please let us come on Steam. And they're like, okay fine. But you have to bundle them together, you know, and give us a dollar off you know because we're still not whole sure about this whole indie jrpg thing isn't that more of a console thing people aren't going to want that on pc <laughs> isn't that for console trash and, and <laughs> like a few months before we came out if i'm not mistaken receteer came out on steam oh wow and yeah. just blew everybody away mm-hmm. uh, because you know here was this funny you know, indie JRPG and it's Steam exclusive because it, you know, was just made by an indie team, you know, off in Asia. And I think that's about the time when Steam was like, hey, you know, maybe, you know, we should be more, you know, open to genres that haven't traditionally been PC based.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
4: And, you know, just since then, you know, it's really exploded. I feel like, you know, JRPGs are probably one of the best-selling genres on Steam these days. And, you know, there's ton of them. And you get indie games that are, you know, as good as the classics these days. You know, just coming out on a regular basis. And, you know, I mean, yeah. there's so many high-quality games that I can't keep up with them. <laughs> Same. <laughs>
1: I haven't even played... Uh, uh, how do you pronounce it? Resetitier? Resetitier. here. Reset
2: I just say reciteer. Yeah, no, that was I specifically remember when that came out because it was a, a game that did not seem like it should be on Steam. I, for a long time, I had thought it was a port of a PlayStation game or mm. something like that. Like it had those vibes. But no, it was this game that hit on Steam and was the it's the item shop management game. It's capitalism. Yeah. ho and it's, uh, you know, running your little shop while also doing all kinds of RPG fun. And it did feel like a moment where people went, oh, yeah, I could play RPGs on my PC, couldn't I? There's Mm -hmm. like nothing really stopping me from doing that.
1: (laughs) It was kind of, even for me, it was a bit of an alien concept. I really didn't start doing that until Ease came out. Uh, Falcom just put everything on Mm -hmm. PC. Mm -hmm. They were kind of dominating Steam for a long
4: time there. Yeah, and like Resetier has a connection with Falcom. Just because the localization group that did Reseteer was just a tiny indie localization team with a couple people, and then you know after that they're like, hey, we really like this series called Trails. You know, huh. how about you let us help out nice. on the localization? So um, Carpe Fulger, they're called. You know, mm-hmm. after the success of Reseteer, they worked on the second chapter of Trails in the Sky. And wow. I think we're a big part of why, you know, trails became a, a big deal outside of Japan and why it's on PC. Oh, that's I cool, mean, it cool. was, it was always on PC in Japan, but why, you know, the localizations got on PC as
2: well. Right. Right. It's the ancient, the deep lore that we're getting into <laughs> on X of the blood. All
1: Selicom lore is deep lore.
2: It really <laughs> is. Every, I, before I joined Blood God, I will fully admit that I was not super tuned into the, the Falcom stuff. And the deeper we have peeled back layers and, and, and gone into this history, the more I'm like, this is one of the most fascinating companies I've ever seen. Really yeah. this it's is like, amazing. I think about yeah. it,
1: like, i there's very, very few series that I could say that I've been playing. Since I that's a very, very little girl. And Falcom stuff is like, even if I didn't know it at the time, you know, like Faxanadu and whatnot, like. They've just had a huge hand in everything I've done. At the end of the day,
4: they're mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I think the first one of theirs I played was Sorcerian. Uh, oh, yeah. that was one that didn't
1: even take mm-hmm. off in the West, as I understand.
4: No, it, it was like Sierra Online released it on MS DOS, and it was a really interesting game because it was an action RPG where you made your own, you know, party members and then went off on little action RPG quests, but. You know, it was weird because time would pass between scenarios. That's right. Mm. Like like there'd be years passing, and if you had like human party members, they might die and have to be replaced with their children at some point. And but you know, like whereas elves and dwarves they'd live longer. So it you know, it was it felt very much like they were trying to do a whole tabletop RPG mm-hmm. system there, but you know, turn it into an action RPG. Yeah, Mm.
1: it seemed like I've seen videos of it. I haven't played it, but it seems really fascinating. And I think it was a humongous Mm -hmm. hit in Japan.
4: Yeah, I'd love if they did a remake of it because, you know, I don't know that I want to go back to the MS-DOS
2: world, but
1: (laughs) probably not. No, just for Princess Maker 2, maybe if once in a while.
2: (laughs) Well, for for your games, for This Way Madness Lies, before we let you go here, Robert, what's like one thing that you really hope for people? Uh, that you want people to take away from this way madness lies
4: um yeah i hope i mean first of all i hope people play it i hope they enjoy Mm -hmm. it (laughs) i I hope they think it's really funny um i hope that um people see it and think oh anyone can make an rpg um because like i said you know my teenage daughter wrote a lot of the script (laughs) And, you know, what she didn't write, you know, I wrote, but then she edited a lot of, you know, the rest of the script. Um, So, you know, growing up, I really wish people had been like that with me and said, oh, just because you're a kid, just because you're a teenager doesn't mean you have to wait until you do fun, creative things, you know, get Mm. started right now, you know, make a game, write a book, do whatever, you know, catches your eye. But, you know, you don't have to wait till you're an adult. And, you know, in fact, you know, you'll be that much further ahead if you start right away.
2: Heck yeah. Well, Robert, thank you so much for joining us on the show mm-hmm. today. It was great. Uh it was it was great chatting all kinds of old school RPGs and also your RPG together about it. Folks, this way madness lies is out on Steam right now. Nadia has played some of it, I've played some of it. I can say y'all should probably get out there and play some of it yourself. It's a good time. I recommend it. So, Robert? Thank you for coming on. We'll we'll catch you another time. Thank you for having me. Talk to you later. (laughs) Yeah. All right, folks. We are now heading back into the main show, but Nadia, Robert, and myself are bouncing. We'll catch you back on the main Blood God Tracks in just a few moments. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups.
0: All right. Wow. That was a great interview with Robert Boyd. I'm just jumping straight to the next topic. So I I assume it was an amazing uh, interview. <laughs> great job, Nadia and Eric. Well Thank done. you. There was only yeah. a small fire
1: this time.
2: Yeah, Nadia, I wasn't sure where you were going with that question about the Denny's parking lot, but I think you really got there. It was really it was it was a poignant question. And yeah, a great who answer. knew
1: that
0: that was the deepest pit that we've seen so far? <laughs> Better to serve <laughs> at Denny's than to serve at Waffle House. And now it's time for the Pantheon of the Blood God Revisit. The segment, the weekly segment, in which we revisit an RPG that appeared in the Pantheon of the Blood God. And this week, we are looking at Final Fantasy VIII, one of the earliest Pantheon Episodes that we did with Alex Donaldson, I believe that was the third yes. episode that we yeah. did because we did Skies of Arcadia, then we did Lufia Two, then we did Final Fantasy 8 and that one ended up being a fairly contentious one. It did end up going into the pantheon over Nadia Oxford's dead body. Nadia, in the year twenty twenty three, how do you feel about Final Fantasy 8 being in the pantheon? Do you think it should be in there?
1: No, but I've also resigned myself to the fact that there are a lot of weirdos out there who think breaking a game is the most incredible thing you could do to it instead of actually having <laughs> fun with it. Mm. So what am I going to do? I can't deal with the human condition. Nadia, first of all, Final Fantasy VIII
0: has an excellent story, amazing world building, oh, a phenomenal thing. I, soundtrack, great aesthetic. I like the it's, soundtrack. A, it's a notable step up in almost every way from Final Fantasy VII. It's just that we remember Final Fantasy VII because it was the one that introduced that style.
1: No, the thing is, I love Final Fantasy VIII's music. I do. I love the characters. Like, I love Laguna. I think he's one of the best Final Fantasy. I don't know if you call him a hero or an idiot, but idiot heroes, best one that Square's ever put out. It's just that I don't like the fact. I don't like the drawing system. I don't like thinking. Oh my god. Okay, here's a here's a monster. Do I? fight it do i draw from it because i don't know what's going to give me a... and then i think when i got really frustrated with final fantasy 8 when i bought it for myself as a as a teenager i was driving on the overworld thinking oh this is kind of fun i had a car you know whatever and then i my salary went down because i was too, too, taking <laughs> like, why do i have a salary and why is it dropping screw this i Try to take it back. They're like, "Give you thirty dollars for it." I'm not giving. I'm not. I, I'm taking sorry. That. that was what made you bring it back. Was the salary? It was dropping? just. A, it, it was just a, a bridge too far. It was just okay. I'm not sure if I enjoy this game. I'm not sure if I enjoy this game. Okay, maybe I'm enjoying it. Oh my god, what is going on? Okay, I'm I'm playing Sweaking Two now, which is the better game. I mean, that's not a hot take.
0: Sweaking <laughs> Two is no, a I better agree. game. <laughs> I agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> Final Fantasy VIII is one of the peaks of Square in its uh, golden age on the PlayStation. It's an amazing game. It's
1: the game. peak of Square. Jumping oh my up God, a giant The ass cinematics alone in there. that
0: game—it is the best expression of Square Enix cinematics on the original PlayStation. And I'm sorry, it has Laguna. In it does it. have
1: Laguna, and it's that's the wonderful. only reason why I don't want to punt it into the Stratosphere. I do love Laguna. So many
0: wonderful side quests. Um i would actually say that the even though it's not an intuitive battle system um my personal impression of it is that the draw system is fine because i can just go and craft all the spells that i want out of various items and cards and things that you end up getting it's it's okay it's okay you don't have to draw a hundred of everything in it. it it and I like the fact that it encourages you to check out on the bosses and be like, oh, that's oh, there's a Guardian Force junction right here. I'm just going to draw that out. It's going to be fun.
1: That's fair, yeah. But it's just I understood what they were going for. And actually, in a way, I think Final Fantasy VIII's gameplay would be much more suited to a, ver- a more modern uh, game industry that we have now. People are really kind of into that sort of thing. But there's something about the ways executed in eight that makes it more of a slog than a cool thing that I could do like uh, to to get to stock magic. I'm not against the idea of the draw system. I just think mm-hmm. something about it is a little bit tick. Like something's off. Something needs to be screwed on a little bit tighter, and then I might like the game a lot more.
0: It, it, I mean, the way they did it the way they did was because they were trying to rethink the RPG, as we know it. And it was a similar vibe to Moon Remix RPG at that time, because by that point, uh, Dragon Quest was, what, 13, 14 years old. And RPG developers were like, but how can we rethink mm-hmm. things like MP, salaries, or making money within the game, that sort of thing? And I agree with you, it not all of it works, but when I revisited Final Fantasy VIII in 2021, I was delighted by A, it was actually surprisingly tight as an experience, I liked how short it was it was kind of like you know 15 Mm -hmm. 20 hours thereabouts that's nice yeah i loved the the world i loved the world and i loved the world building Mm -hmm. um for the most part i liked the the history of the sorceresses and all that i I loved the vibe the aesthetic of places like esther i loved laguna and company um the, the music was as i already said impeccable and uh i really dug just digging digging into that battle system I I loved the the limit breaks and whatnot. It could be genuinely menacing at times. I do think Final Fantasy 7 is the better RPG than Final Fantasy 8, but from a presentation standpoint it is far more cohesive than Final Fantasy 7 and they I don't know, I they they kind of sh- shot their shot and I I think that Final Fantasy 8 is a really kind of important part of square Enix's like history. And it's still very enjoyable to go back to, in my opinion, especially since they uh, remastered it. What do you think, Eric? Did you ever play it?
2: I once owned a demo disc for the PlayStation one oh, that had final fantasy eight on it. Yeah. Where you <laughs> ran up a tower, I think and mm-hmm, fought something mm-hmm, and then had mm-hmm. to run back down with a time limit. I had like one set party, I think it was like Squall Rinoa, uh the the weird dude with the the blonde hair and the, the face tattoos and Zell, stuff.
1: Oh, he's such a moron. And, I love him.
2: And you can summon Zell. Leviathan and summoning Leviathan was super sick. And I really enjoyed that. So my impressions from playing that demo three times, by the way, uh, was Final Fantasy 8 is a good game. That being said, I never played the actual game. I, I was gonna it. ask you, so did you take the so,
0: plunge, but I guess not. No,
2: no, that was triple that was a,
0: triad. That alone, should put it, it does in the have panty. triple triad. Oh, no. It did I give a triple triad. I can't,
2: I can't. Co- I'm already so deep in triple triad in 14. I don't know if I can go play triple triad in another game. Triple triad prime, <laughs> do it, Eric. You can't, can't tempt me with the triple triad. Uh. Yeah, I, I never got around to it because I have told this story before, but I used to always play the RPGs that my friend would buy and have at his place because he had the systems that had all the RPGs on them. So uh, he never got eight. So I never played eight. But I don't know. Seems like I'd probably like it seems super sappy and emo and uh, <laughs> maybe like a precursor to the love story that is Final Fantasy 10. So that's probably yeah a, probably a square right in the middle of my Venn diagram. So, yeah. Sure.
0: I mean, if you <laughs> want to look at the criteria, what makes it special? Uh, I would argue that uh, the presentation, but also triple triad, are a couple mm-hmm. of elements. And I think that the junction system is really good, and I'm standing by that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, what, is its, like, what is its legacy? How did it uh, change RPGs? Once again, I think the triple triad, but also it was like a... It gave us Squall, Lee, and Hart. It was a particular moment in Square Enix's history. And yes, I do think it holds up. So um, maybe a little bit of an edge case in terms of the Pantheon, but I'm still leaning yes with uh, this one. All right. That's it for the Pantheon of the Blood God visit, revisit. Nadia, take us home.
1: Uh, this topic came up to me like at the very last minute I have other topics but I'll talk about them later uh, I was thinking like, I was talking to my husband about uh, Adobe Photoshop and everything's on the cloud now and he can't like scam Adobe like he used to when he was in high school or whatnot <laughs> do kids know what wares are anymore that's what I'm getting to have kids had to crack apps anymore I can't even remember what they're called programs like to make them work do they have to like get those cracking programs that have like hey shout out to my homies and the cool music in the background and or is it all just so cloud-based now that kids can no longer download viruses onto their hard Uh, drive no they write
2: their own yeah, I just I just want to read this aloud to you, Nadia, so you understand my answer fully. Uh, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime less on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia when in actual service in time of war or public danger. Uh, my answer is I plead the fifth. Uh, I do not <laughs> know of these wares that you speak of or what they may be employed for uh, or their alleged uh activations
1: well well, half the time they never worked properly on my computer anyway because my computer was really old the monitor was slowly dimming because it was like one of the old like tube based uh monitors and i just remember trying to get black and white to work on my computer like a cracked version it was just like all the protection all the copy protection like engaged at once and the computer crashed and it was really awful but yeah back in the day like as a Drew RX, uh, Drew WRX says, "Is like, yeah, key gen music. <laughs> that was the days. You put in, uh, try to get a key f- generated for your crappy ass version of Photoshop Four or whatever, and uh, it wouldn't work, or you would get a virus and mm. have to beg your friend to help you because back then, virus, uh, you know, virus protection wasn't online. You had to update it, and nobody updated their virus protectors ever. So yeah, I was just." kind of nostalgic for wares especially in the age of like no I can't share my my network my uh, Netflix password with you no I can't share my Adobe password yeah. with you it's just uh, it's a hard it's it just now they're on the cloud everyone's looking at what you're doing and, you know I sound very old and illegal but there you are I sure did have a, uh, a CD key generator <laughs> yes for
0: games like StarCraft uh, so that we could share them around which mm, then got mm-hmm. me banned from Battle.net. So <laughs> <laughs> did you get banned from Battle.net? I, I sure did. And then I was These like, things happen. why was I banned from Battle.net? And Blizzard was like, Because you <laughs> used a generated C D key, that's why. And I said, Oh.
2: Oh Well,
1: Activision Blizzard are out right here violating everyone's rights. So who's the asshole in this situation, huh? Who's the
0: asshole mm-hmm. now? That's <laughs> true.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. you, was, you have won the ethical high ground I was, <laughs> years I was, later.
0: Truly, I was the hero. Yes. in this situation. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. I did use wares, and I, I used to go to LAN parties and uh, in the late 90s, and there would always be the kids passing around the CD wallet full of uh, burned CDs. Oh, of games like, like, like marijuana or something. it be like, "Here, is check them all out and everything. Oh, so, the burned yeah. CDs were
2: yeah. a revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: just had a flashback of a friend who I still talk to in high school. Like, he's a friend of mine handing me a burn C D for Master Orion 2. And I gave him in exchange a burned CD of rent, the music. <laughs> mm, I think mm. one of you got the better end of that yeah. deal. I'll let yeah. people how decide
0: can you who connect did
3: connect you you age you know? <laughs> <mothers.
2: laughs> um, That was how I learned audio compression was like downloading stuff to audio MP3 player compression and, with a K. And like yeah, yeah, and learning learning how to acquire said files for said MP3 player at a rate at which i found reasonable and then compressing them to fit on my mp3 player which Mm. did lead to some questionable quality on some of the songs (laughs) but uh but it was digital yeah Yeah, but it fit on the mp3 player and i could listen to uh no sleep till brooklyn on my mp3 player so who won in the end no
1: exactly
0: it was not my eardrums definitely not my eardrums when i was in high school uh napster was a thing my senior year in high school and we had this computer lab in high school at I keep saying high school. I'm sorry. Uh, Everybody installed Napster on every one of the computers. And so anytime we (laughs) did a project, people would either be playing music that they were downloading illegally (laughs) on Napster onto our network and probably giving our computers uh, viruses and also uh, SNL skits. So there's a lot of celebrity jeopardy and Chris Farley, like Van down by the river. Uh, Scared to live way. in a
1: van, down by- well la de freaking da. The thing I remember most downloading, uh, in high school was. Do you remember the CD? Uh, sorry, the the CGI scenes that came with the Final Fantasy compilations that were on the PlayStation. Mm, yes, mm-hmm. like the really mm-hmm. crappy one for Final Fantasy 4 But we're like,
0: whoa! Look at
1: Golbez. He looks oh my amazing. God, CG.
0: Oh my god.
2: Whoa.
1: Yeah, like yeah, and the one for Final Fantasy VI actually was really beautiful. I did like that one, but looking at it now, it's like, oh, oh, that sure was the nineties, wasn't it?
2: It was the Kingdom Hearts teasers for us. The one where Riku was Mm. running up that uh, clock tower and slashing all the heartless and stuff. Ah, yeah, Mm. Mm. formative. Yeah,
0: yeah, I remember the. uh, I think Square had their SquareSoft two thousand showcase where they showed Final Fantasy nine. 10 yes. and 12, or yes, they announced 9, 10, 11, and 12, I think. But good lord, um, Final Fantasy 10 had that the, the initial CG cutscene was of uh Yuna spinning, mm-hmm. uh, and it was like, This is what the PlayStation 2 looks like, and it was really cool. That would be I really over that, that. That it's, was really cool. So, we were downloading
2: that, yeah, it's still cool. You play that game now, and that scene still hits like mm-hmm. years later some they might say a pantheon have, worthy scene i agree <laughs> they
1: have a clip of that scene in uh, theater rhythm the new one with the opening movie or whatever the trailer so yeah it's uh, mm. pretty cool but yeah that's um all the people in the chat talking about how people in their school downloaded stuff on LimeWire onto their onto their school computers like oh my god Park. so many viruses on LimeWire, that
0: kind you gotta of thing. Be, you got be got to be
2: smarter you got to be smarter than that i would spend like don't...
0: I would spend like two. I, I would spend twenty four hours downloading a song from Kazaa just so I could get a virus. Yeah. <laughs> well, this song a .dot again. exe. I guess if I if I click on the dot exe, I'm going to get a song. You know? Oh, of course, you're going to get some kind that's of convenience. Sure. I don't even need a musical player
1: for this the song one. Of
0: the devil. Oh
2: wow. Disc <laughs> Wow. Age. Well, I want to listen to it on a CD, so that's got to be right. <laughs>
1: Our computers at school were Macintoshes, so we didn't really get too so many viruses and stuff. Like, I don't think we could use conventional. Uh, download, download software, but we did have, like, I remember first time hearing pirated Music. I was in grade 13, which was back in Ontario. I had a grade 13, believe it or not. And I'm like, where's that music coming from? It's like, wow, they're playing it off the computer. Well, how is U2 coming out of the computer? And it's not like, it doesn't have a CD player. So, yeah, that was a revelation. The 13th grade in the 13th month. Basically, I loved grade 13. That was great. I had two classes, and that's what we had back in the day instead of tests to get into university. It was like just Go to grade 13 um, and get good grades, get on the honor roll, and you can get into pretty much anywhere you want. So, yeah, that's what I did. It's a You don't have to do it, but it was good to have, especially like that year between college and high school to kind of mature. So you don't go there and drink your guts out and like puke everywhere. Mm. You have that that year to... to who does that? Up. Yeah, who does that? I can't imagine. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. Let me pull up the Fifth Amendment again real quick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What was your poison? What did you drink until you puked?
2: <laughs> that's a post-show oh. discussion, Nadia. <laughs> okay. People got to pay for that.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Long Brain Island cleaner. iced teas for me. All right. Oh, that's tasty. Very very sweet and very dangerous, I have to say. Sweet drinks are always dangerous. And that is it for this week's episode of Axe the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Cat Bailey. If you enjoy the show... Please go leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Also, follow me on Twitter at the underscore capot at nadia oxford eric at s e a m o o s i and Robert Boyd. If I recall correctly from uh, memory, it, his Twitter handle is where zombie. So go check that out and uh, go check out this way madness lies, the new game by Z-Boyd Games. That is a combination of shakespearean rpg and magical girl what a what a wonderful combination i'm really Works into for me it. we are heading over into the post show now to hang out with the stars of destiny we'll be back next week as always for lots more acts of the blood god but until then for Nadia, eric robert and myself thanks for listening and happy adventuring <laughs>